All right, I want to draw your attention to verse 18 in 1 John chapter 3. Notice it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that, the, that is the text verse for today. And I want you to notice that. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue. We have a lot of people that are really good at talking about how loving they are. They say that they are loving. They will even tell people that they love them. And I don't believe that the Bible here is telling us, don't tell people you love them. I don't believe that's what it's doing. But did you know it's more important that you actually love indeed and in truth? That's more important than loving them in word. I mean, who cares if I tell you that I love you while I'm punching you in the face? I mean, that's not going to really be a blessing to you. Who cares if I tell you I love you as a pastor? If I'm up here talking about how much I love you, but then I'm preaching lies to you, making merchandise of you, but I'm saying that I love you the whole time. The whole time I'm talking about love and I'm saying the word love and expressing my love, I've just got lies coming out of my mouth that are going to be destructive to you. It's so much more important that if we're going to love somebody, that we love them in, in deed and in truth. That is so much more important. But today, we are living in a world where everything is being redefined. And even worse, many Christians are going along with the world, world's perverted definitions of these words. And I saw just this week something that kind of had me thinking about, thinking about this too. I saw a preacher who's kind of known for just kind of being one of these, let's just all hug everybody and get along and set truth aside. You know, he kind of has that attitude. And he just, he's like, you know, love other preachers and ministries besides your own. It's not really that hard. Now, and again, that sounds pretty good. And I agree with that. I think we should do that. But the reason he said this, I... I wasn't paying attention to everything that was going on, but once again, preachers were all riled up on Twitter about somebody compromising, you know, and preachers in the preacher world, especially in the Baptist world, they get riled about stuff all the time. So I'm not exactly sure what they were fighting about. I think it had to do with the fact there was a couple big conferences in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, you know, the reason he's saying this is because whenever people start criticizing maybe bad doctrine criticizing bad practices or something like that, calling out sin. What does our world do when that happens? They accuse you of hate. And so because preachers are taking a stand against sin, because preachers are taking a stand against false doctrine, people just accuse you of being hateful. But the truth is, that's just loving, not in word, but loving in deed and in truth. I shouldn't have to set aside truth to be loving. I think we should be able to be loving and truthful at the same time. I think that's a very important thing. And so, you know, when the person said this, my response to him too, because I don't like to just assume motives, but at the same time, if somebody does a vague post, you can't get mad if they assume your motives. But my response was, do you mean love like our modern culture, where love means you have to approve everything we do or you're hateful? Or do you mean love like in the Bible, where we're called sometimes to rebuke people sharply so they'll be sound in the faith? And understand, sometimes being loving means you've got to get uncomfortable. Sometimes being loving means you're going to have to say some things that might upset people a little bit. But we live in a day where not approving or supporting someone or something, that means you hate that person. And that, folks, that's not biblical. 
that's ridiculous. And I think that's unique to this generation where if you just don't approve of what somebody's doing, you just hate them. And I think that's crazy. I've seen preachers to the point of tears trying to express to people, we don't hate you. We just think that this is a sin. And yet people, you hate us because you don't agree with everything that we're doing. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it's, we're in a dangerous place when even Baptists are buying into this nonsense. But without a doubt, Christians, one of our notable characteristics about us should be our love for people. It should be one of the first things people notice about us. But if we allow love to be redefined into something that it isn't, it's going to be very easy for people to be deceived in certain areas. And this has already happened because we we have allowed people to redefine love. Because the simple fact is that being loving in deed and in truth, it's not always an easy thing. In fact, sometimes it's very difficult But as God's people, we can't just go along with the culture. I get it. We've been commanded to be loving. But just because our culture has redefined love, that does not mean now that we are bound to follow that new definition. No, we're going to stick to the old definition. We're going to stick to the biblical definition of what love is. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. And So the type of love that we are talking about today, our modern culture, they would probably refer to this as tough love. Now, that's the title of my message today is Tough Love. Now, again, I personally think tough love is just love. Okay, But I'm trying to speak to a group who's probably been influenced a little bit by American culture and by our modern lingo. But we, you often hear people refer to tough love. In reality, the Bible doesn't call it tough love. The Bible just calls it love. The Bible doesn't call it tough love. It calls it, let's not love in, in word, but it also in deed and in truth. That's in reality what tough love is or just what love is. And so uh, the definition uh, of tough love, it's a promotion of a person's welfare, especially that of an addict, child, or criminal by enforcing certain constraints on them or requiring them to take responsibility for their actions. Isn't it interesting how we call that tough love? I mean, this is just responsibility. This is just called, that's called parenting. This is called, that used to be called governing, doing all those things. But now it's known as tough love. Another definition is love or affectionate concern expressed in a stern or unsentimental manner as through discipline, especially to promote responsible behavior. Turn uh, turn over to John chapter 8. In verse 7. Okay, John chapter 8 and verse 7. Now, everybody will agree Jesus was loving. In fact, often when we are actually acting like Jesus Christ, people accuse us of not being like Christ and not being very loving. But I want to take this story that is one of the more well-known stories of the Bible. Yet, if people were consistent in how they interpret things, in their behavior, uh, they wouldn't like the story as much as they do. But it says in John 8, 7... So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself unto them. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. This is when the woman taken in adultery was brought to Jesus. And again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. And when they had heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Now, 
if this woman, if this would have happened in 2023 America, this beautiful story, this, these wonderful words that Jesus said to this woman, if he said this in 2023 America, it would have had a very different response. Because notice what he said. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, today, you know what that woman has said? You hate me. Why? Because he said, go and sin no more. You know what? I identify as an adulterer. Therefore, you should affirm you know, my, you know, my feelings towards these things. You should be okay with that. How dare you think I should change something in my life? People today, if Jesus said these same things, they would get offended by it. They get mad when you tell people, hey, you're doing wrong. What you're doing, you should stop doing that. You shouldn't do that sin anymore. What, I mean, kids act that way. Teenagers act that way with their parents. When the parents get on them, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop hanging out with these friends. You need to stop acting this way in school. You need to stop behaving this way. You hate me. Isn't that always the response? Because you do not affirm their behavior, their actions, the way that you know, their attitude, because you do not support them, you're accused of being hateful. And the reality is, it's a pervert, this is a perversion of love. And this perversion of love, it actually causes real love to go away. We see in Matthew 24 and verse 11, it says, And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. As we become more sinful as a society, understand love is going to become more cold. Love is going to become a more rare thing. Now again, we here talk about love more than we've ever heard before. But understand, it's a perversion of love. It is not a biblical love. The biblical love that we see in the Bible, a Christ-like love, it is not what we're seeing in our culture today. It's a rare thing. In fact, whenever it is expressed, people often call it hateful. And the Bible said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. We're living in those days right now where people are literally taking that which is good, calling it evil. They're taking that which is love and, and calling it hate. And they're taking that which is hateful and calling it love. And we, we cannot go along with this. And it is disturbing how many Christians are buying into worldly definitions of these things. And it's causing pe- preachers to get away with preaching some really weird stuff. Saying some really bad things when it comes to these things. And so the reality is the perversion of this word has caused lack of love in our world today. And it is very evident in certain areas. And understand, if you aren't doing these things that we're going to talk about, it's because you don't have love. I'm talking Jesus love. I'm talking God love. I'm talking about Bible love. If you don't have these things, and love sometimes is a very difficult thing, but if you truly have love, you will do the right thing. For example, you know, let's just you know talk about moms for a minute. You know, changing diapers, dealing with babies. You know, why do they do those disgusting things? Because you love your kid. You just can't let them go around in filth all the time. I mean, the things you know, we've seen these video montages of things parents do to save their kids' lives. I mean, kids are constantly trying to die, especially Hannah. It's just it's a miracle she's still alive today. But, you know, parents, they do whatever they've got to do to keep them alive. Moms go through the horrible pain of childbearing. Why? It's love. Love motivates you to do some crazy things. It it really does. But 
It, it motivates you to do some tough things. These are all tough things. They're difficult things to do. But I want to talk about a few areas where we are not seeing love today. And this is a problem. And it's it, uh, and the truth is, if you actually have love, you will show it in these areas. So first off, tough love in discipline. What does the Bible say in Proverbs thirteen twenty four? He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. Discipline is difficult. difficult. Discipline is difficult for both people involved. It's hard emotionally. It's draining. It requires time. Okay? I mean, it, parent, I don't think any parent enjoys disciplining their children. And if they do, come on, something's wrong with you. You shouldn't enjoy doing that kind of thing. Okay? Now, obviously, we're going to do it because we love our children. We're, we're happy to do it. You know, I'm happy to save my kid's life if it needs saving. You know, I mean, that's what I want to do that more than anything. I would give my life for my child because, because I actually love them. And the reality is, if you love your children, you will do the uncomfortable. You will do the, you will do the painful thing of disciplining them. Proverbs 19, 18, 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. We don't like when our children are crying. We don't like when we make our children unhappy. But the reality is, if you love your children, you're going to understand, I can't give them everything at once. I heard it said one time, if you give a pig everything at once and a child everything at once, you'll have a pretty good pig and a pretty sorry kid. You can't just, you, you can't just give them everything they want. You have to tell them no. You have to discipline them when they behave in a bad way. You're going to have to make them mad at you sometimes. and Your kid's going to give you some dirty looks and things like that. But the truth is, if you love your child, you're going to do these things. But you know, many people today, sadly, they, they love the approval of man more than their own children. Biblical discipline will cause you to be looked down on from our perverted society that believes in drugging kids up. Instead of, you know, biblical discipline and spanking and things like that. They think drugging a kid up is better. And uh, look at what it says in John chapter 9. I think this is interesting because this has always been a problem for people. But it's, we, if you are loving, you'll get over it. If you are a really loving person, you'll get over it. Remember the story where Jesus healed the blind man? He was blind from his birth and Jesus healed him. And everybody got upset about it. And it said... It's, uh, when basically there's practically a trial going on with the Pharisees trying to figure out what's going on. And so they talk to the man's parents and it says his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They could have backed up his story. This man, sure enough, was blind from his birth, but because everybody was upset, because Jesus healing a blind man is going to make him influential with people, they did. They put all this pressure on him, and they didn't want to answer. They just kept saying, he's of age, you can ask him. And it was because they feared being put out of the synagogue. You know what? I refuse to fear what society thinks, you know, at the expense of my children. And you know what? I've been around long enough. I was raised in a home that used biblical discipline. 
And I know that I know what it produces. I know from experience that it works. I've seen it. I've seen the difference between families who use biblical discipline versus modern psychology and for sure the modern drugs and things that they're giving kids. And you know what? I don't care what society thinks. I don't care what I love my kids too much that I, I just I don't care. I, now, do I want society to hate me? Of course not. I don't enjoy being hated. I don't enjoy people, you know, you know, negative video clips out there and everybody talking about what a nut job, psychopath, you know, I am, all the things people say. I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel good. But at the same time, too, I love my children. And the last thing I'm going to do is conform to what these people are saying because I see what they're producing. So I'm going to keep doing what God's word says to do. And if you as a parent are letting your children just go along with this messed up world, it's because you love man's approval more than you love your own children. I'm not going to let them get involved in every fad that the kids are getting involved in these days. I'm not going to let them, you know, get follow these celebrities, influencers, singers that's, you know, messing kids up. I'm not doing that kind of thing. Many parents, they're, uh, they're afraid. They're afraid to actually tell their kids, you can't do something because of, you know, the social pressures and things that are out there. I remember one time talking to some parents who they came to me because they were greatly concerned because their son was hanging around some other kids in the school that were trying to convince him that he was gay. And he was, start, and he was starting to wonder if he was. And they were wondering what to do. And I, I told him, I said, you should take him out of the public school. Oh, we can't do that. Like, why not? It's like, do you see what they're trying to do to your son? He's, he's being encouraged and being pushed into this sodomite lifestyle, trying to get him to identify with these people. And, and you're okay with it? You're going to just let him hang around people like that? I don't know what they want me to do. I don't know if I was supposed to tell him some magical, inspirational saying that they could tell their son and he was just going to walk away like, oh, I'm a hetero. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. But, I, 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 but you know what? It's, did you know homeschooling's hard? Homeschooling's hard. But, you know, folks, there's worse things out there. There's more difficult things out there. And a lot of parents, you know, they just, they're not willing to do that. And some parents, too, they're afraid if their child starts speaking of some of those things. They are afraid to not affirm it. Because society frowns on those who do not affirm whatever their child says. If a kid thinks they're a cat, you better affirm that as a parent. What would you rather have? A living son or a, a, you know, a, a living cat or a dead son? You know? Dead son, I guess. <laughs> I'm not going to let my son think, go around thinking he's a cat. Acting like they're a cat. I mean, that's, but that's the things that people are saying today. Folks, how can you love your kid and encourage them into that kind of lifestyle? How can you love your kid and let them I mean, have you seen these people go around with these dog masks and things and they wear leashes and stuff like that? That's really messed up. How can you, how can you love your child and support that kind of thing? Hey, listen, if my son wants to identify as a dog, I'm not building him a dog house in the backyard. I don't think that's being loving. And making him, you know, putting a bowl out for him, put his food in, put Fido on there. I'm not, I'm not doing that kind of thing. I love my kids too much to play along with foolish fantasies. 
I'm going to do whatever I can to keep them away from that stuff. And whatever perverts that were out there that tried to push them into that, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to keep them away from that. Say, well, your boys are 20 and 21. You'd be surprised what I still could do if if they tried going down that route. (laughs) You'd be surprised what I could do. um, Never mind, I'm not going to tell you what I do. But (laughs) turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 19. But folks, the truth is, if we would actually discipline them early, chasing them B times, which means early, if we would deal with these things early in their life, we probably wouldn't have to worry about these things when they're older. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. If you would discipline your children early, they're probably not going to come to you later and saying, Dad, I think I'm a cat. Or your boys aren't going to come to you later saying, Dad, I think I'm a girl. Or something like They're not going to do that kind of thing if you deal with them early. But too many people, they love the praise of men. And so you've got too many moms, they love the praise of the women and the other ladies they hang around in their sewing circle or whatever kind of circles women hang out in today. And so, you know, what are they, when they're all talking about how they discipline their kid, well, I put my kid on Ritalin. Well, I put my kid on whatever, you know. Nobody wants to say, well, I gave my kid a paddling. And they don't want to, they don't want to do that kind of thing. Because then all those moms that are drugging up their kids that are on drugs themselves are going to look at them and think, oh, you're a terrible mother. You're an abusive mother as they're drugging their children up, messing their kids up for life. It makes no sense. So tough love and discipline. I think we need tough love. And again, when I say tough love, I'm using the modern term. And biblically, I just mean love. But we need tough love in judgment. In Deuteronomy 19.9, it says, If thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God, to walk ever in His ways, then shalt thou add three cities more for thee besides these three, that innocent blood be not shed in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and so blood be upon thee. This is about the cities of refuge. But if any man hate his neighbor, and lie in wait for him, and rise up against him, and smite him mortally that he die, and fleeth into one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and fetch him thence, and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Thine eyes shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with thee. Notice that phrase. Thine eyes shall not pity him. When somebody murders somebody, if we are a loving society, we are not going to pity the murderer. We're always loving the the evildoer. Instead of punishing the evildoer, we're always, and in reality, we're hating on the victim. How is that honoring the, the, the victim, the one who is killed, when we're not doing anything about the one who killed them? That, that is not the right thing to do. We live in a society today that is trying so hard, they are falling all over themselves to love the perverts out, out there. But wait, what about their victims? What about the people that they abuse? You've got churches that are allowing, you know, perverts, child predators, and things like that. People have been convicted of these things into their churches when in reality, they, you know, society should have taken care of them. They should at least be in prison, cut off from the rest of society. But our, our government's not doing anything because they don't love us for sure. But then churches will even allow those people into the church. And the thing is, it's like, well, we've got to love these people. What about the people they're hurting? What about all the other children? Why is it that this new love requires us to be all ultra-loving to the most vile of creatures who, who hurt others, 
who damage others and that we hate the victims. Because in reality, that's what we're doing. What people are calling for is not love. It is not love in reality. It's hatred. But everybody wants to feel sorry. But I'm sorry. You know what? You know, human traffickers, again, I think human traffickers are the worst of the worst. I would support any laws doing whatever they can to just put those people down as fast as possible. I wish when they would raid these places, the cops could just go full Liam Neeson and Jack Bauer on them. I really do. Just right there. Right there. If any of them survive, then they can go to court and then they can get thrown into a pedophile. I think, I think every state should have a pedophile pit where just all the carcasses get thrown. At, I just, every state should have one of those. And you say, that is so mean and so hateful. I love children. People who violate children are just the worst of the worst. And it's like our society doesn't care anymore. And yet they, but they say they're loving. And even churches, they just, there's, they're, well, we got, we got to love these people. You know, they've messed up. No, let's love our children. Let's love and protect the innocent. The Bible said here, thine eye shall not pity him. And our leaders today, sadly, they love their power more than they love the citizens of their country. Deuteronomy 19.16 says, If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother, so shalt thou put evil away from among you. And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. And thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. False witnesses are another thing that ruin our society. One of the reasons we're so easy on crime today is because everybody is afraid of punishing somebody who doesn't have it coming. Well, you know what? If we would actually take care of false witnesses in a biblical manner, we wouldn't have that kind of thing going on. Listen, if I accuse you of something that would get you thrown in pedophile pit, then I should get thrown in pedophile pit if it turns out I was wrong. And then people aren't going to be doing that unless they've got the goods on them. But you know what we do? We pity them. Oh, yeah, I know they lied, but they were having a bad day. Well, listen, we can't, we can't pity that. It's, we need a justice system we can trust. We need, some, we need laws that are going to protect people. And people who carry out in things that pervert justice and pervert judgment, they need to be dealt with. And we, do, we live in a world today where we don't care. And it doesn't even matter anymore. Who cares? You know, we, we don't even care what they're going to accuse Trump of. We don't care what they're going to accuse Biden of. You know why? Because there's so many false accusations all the time that we don't believe anything. We either believe, any, we believe nothing or we believe everything. And the truth is, it just it means nothing anymore to hear a news report accusing somebody of whatever. They lie all the time. People ought to get in trouble for that kind of thing. News organizations, they ought to be held accountable when they falsely report things about people. But they don't. You know why? Because it's hard to do that kind of judgment. It's hard punishing evildoers. It's a difficult thing. But folks, it's so much worse when we do nothing. And we've got the mess in our country that we do today because we didn't do the hard thing first. And this it's more difficult what we have going on today. But our leaders today, 
are afraid to properly deal with evildoers because they're afraid of political backlash. And so, um, and, you know, and there's, there's so many scriptures we could go to on that. Let me, let me go to this. This is a real tough one. You want to look at some, you want to look at a tough love passage in the Bible? How about Deuteronomy chapter 13? This is tough. This, this is tough. And, and some of you, you've been influenced enough with our modern definition of love that this kind of, this might make you cringe a little bit. But let's think about what the Bible's saying here. It says in Deuteronomy 13, 6, if thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is in thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto them, nor hearken unto them, neither shall thine eye pity him, Neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he has sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. Now, folks, that is a horrifying thought right there. But you know what? Let's just let's just talk about. What happened? Because Israel did not follow this. Okay, and, and think about that. Somebody that you love coming to you saying, hey, let's go serve other gods. What they said, if you report them, they will die. And you've got to be the first one throwing the stone. Okay, that would not be pleasant at all. But did you know, because they didn't practice this, they often served other gods. And you know what ultimately happened? The people were eventually giving, giving their children to the god Molech, burning their children in the fire. That's what happens when you serve other gods. They were literally offering up their children to Molech. In our country, we've gotten away from these things. And what do, what do we have in our country? We have abortion that's in our country that's you know, similar to that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, we see stories in the Bible where women were eating their own children. I mean, we see the, the horror stories in the Bible of just, I mean, just unspeakable things happening. It was all a result of them following other gods. And you say, well, no, I can't report this person. I love them too much. Well, you know what? Thousands are going to die because you did nothing. Is that love? Is that really what love is? Is love sacrificing thousands so you don't have to do a difficult thing? I don't think that's, I don't think that's real love. And so, again, if, if it is loving to go against passages like this because you're allowing your love for one person to destroy everyone else that you're supposed to love. That's not right. That's not fair. I, me as a pastor, I don't have a right to love one member so much that I'm willing to put every other member at risk. I'm willing to put the children at risk in this church because I love and care about this person. That's not right. You know, parents, sometimes you've got to watch out for that. When your kids get older, you might have one that rebels and they're not willing to follow your rules. And there may come a point where you have to send them out of your house. Oh, I love them too much. I can't do that. But, yeah, but what about all your other kids? You've got to think about them too. And often, we will allow our love for one person to cause us to do things that are very harmful and really hateful to everyone else. I don't believe that's what God called for. 
But you know what? The truth is doing the right thing, that's just, that's actual love. That's loving in deed and in truth, but it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's definitely hard. Another area where we need tough love, we need tough love in Christian fellowship. How about with doctrine? Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Now, notice what Paul said right here. Paul said that there are some people, we need to stop their mouths, we need to rebuke them sharply, and he said they are especially those who are of the circumcision. Now, let me ask you, did Paul, did Paul hate the Jews? No, he did not. Paul went as far as saying in Romans 9, says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Don't try to tell me Paul didn't love the Jews. Paul loved the Jews more than I love the Americans. But I, I, wouldn't say this about, I wouldn't say this about my own country. Paul said that about his country. Paul said that about his brethren according to the flesh. So don't try to tell me that Paul didn't love them. But let me tell you, Paul rebuked them sharply all the time. Paul withstood them. He stood against them. I mean, Paul, and Paul got himself in all kinds of trouble with them all the time. But you know what? He, didn't lo- he, he loved them enough where he was going to tell them the truth. But many people today, they call it loving them, but then they're going to, they, won't, they, they love them so much, and I'm, using, I'm being sarcastic, that they're, they won't even mention Jesus to them because it might offend them. That's not love. That is, that is not love. No, you love yourself. You love the approval of man more than you love them. And let me tell you something. I don't hate our world. I don't hate our nation. I love our nation. But I understand speaking the truth on certain areas is going to make me unpopular. But you know, the truth is, if I loved myself, I would say what they want me to say. I would say the things that would make me popular. But if I love them, I'm going to tell the truth. And so we've got to make sure that we have tr- tough love with, with doctrine. People that we like, people that we love, people that we care about, if they go into heresy, we ought to call it out. Oh, but I, I really like this person. I don't want to correct them on this. Do you love them? Do you care about them? Especially if it's something, too, that's some damnable heresy. Something, too, that shows that person's not saved. I can't, I can't imagine loving a person so much that I'm willing to let them go to hell you know, to save my relationship. No, that's not love. That's not, you know, loving somebody means, hey, I might actually kill our earthly relationship. I could go along with what they're saying. I could say nothing and I could please them. And we'll say, friends, they'll stay my buddy. We can keep hanging out. But if they die and go to hell, you know, it's not worth it. I'm willing to risk losing the benefits of their approval because I care about their soul. And because I want the best for them. And if we really love people, we would tell them the truth. Not just about doctrine, but even in personal behavior. And Jesus told that woman, 
taking adultery, said, go and sin no more. He didn't want her committing adultery anymore. We see in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, it says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetousness, covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat, for what am I to do to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Listen, it is our job, it is our responsibility as parents, as brothers and sisters in the flesh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as church members, as members of a community, it is our job to be a force for good. We not only have a right to speak the truth about these things, but we have an expectation from God to put pressure on the world to do right. And you know what? That's going to make people mad. People aren't going to like it that we're against fornication, that we're against adultery, that we're against all, we're against all these. They're not going to like that kind of thing. But you know what? These things are destructive. These things are harmful to our culture. These things are harmful to individuals. We can't just stand by and say nothing. Do we really have to just stand by and say nothing? No, if we love somebody, if we care about somebody, we're going to do something about it. If we see one of our children out there in the traffic, we are going to run out there as fast as we can, and we're going to take a chance of getting hit by a car ourselves. We're willing to do that because we love our child, and we would rather get hit by a car than have one of our children get hit by a car. And if people are practicing a behavior that is destructive to their lives, that's going to ruin their lives and destroy them, we're going to, be will- we're going to take a chance of maybe them shooting at us and them you know, getting mad at us and angry at us if we can stop them from that because we, we understand what it can do to them. We understand the potential harm that can come from these things. And I understand there's boundaries. Okay? I, I've preached a series of messages on this before. It's been a long time when it comes to this type of thing. Obviously, we all need to understand boundaries. We need to understand I don't have a right to just go into somebody's home and tell them what all to do and things like that. But at the same time, we do. We all ought to know our place, but, and, but we ought to use our influence for good. We need to be an influence for good. We don't ever, I don't ever want to appear to be approving of certain things. There are things that people are going to do that I don't agree with, that I don't like, that I don't approve of, but they're not necessarily my authority to step in and stop. And so, and I'm not, and so I can still have a relationship with that person, but I should never support that sin. I should never show any kind of approval for that sin. I don't, said, I don't need to run my mouth about everything. And, you know, opening this up probably opens up a need for a whole series on boundaries and, you know, when to, when to run our mouth and stick our nose into things. And I think most of us probably instinctively know when something's our business. You know, we all understand privacy with our neighbors and stuff like that. But at the same time, too, you know, if you saw their house burning down, you wouldn't have any problem trespassing and running inside and getting their attention and maybe even breaking a window or something, you know, you know to help save their life. I mean, you're, you're in their territory. But you understand, hey, there's a serious need right here. Rules go out the window, you know, in a, in a life or death situation. And, and I think most of us instinctively know when we can intervene but um, most people never do anything for that fear of backlash. We've got to watch out for that. 
as Christians, we should want, we should want friends that will get in our face every now and then and let us have it. Those are the friends that love you. Those ones that will call you out. It's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, those, those are the kind of people we need in our life. But what do we do today? Today, anybody stands against us for anything. We go cry about it on social media. We get all our echo chamber out there telling us, you know, how great we are and how bold we are for standing up for ourselves and not letting anyone push us around and we block everyone that says anything different. That's how it is today. But we need to get, we need people in our life that are like that. We need to get back to having a true Christ-like love for this world. We need to have a love like John the Baptist who called out sin even though it got him killed. John the Baptist was a loving person. We need to have a love like Paul where he, where he was willing to allow a people that he was willing to be a curse for to hate him. The people that he loved, they beat him up. They threw him in prison. But he was willing to do that because it was the truth. The gospel was the power of God to salvation to everyone that believed, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He wasn't going to get anybody saved by giving them a gospel that they would like better. No, the true gospel was the only thing that was going to get him saved. And he was willing to get beat up and hated by the people that he loved. Many churches today, they are afraid of confrontational soul winning because it makes some people uncomfortable. But if that's your attitude, you love the approval of man more than you love them. And the truth is, people, when they get like this, because they love themselves. And we need to get back to having real love. 1 John 4.17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That's why parents do the things they do for their children sometimes with no fear of anything. That's why people run in burning buildings. They're not thinking about that because perfect love casteth out fear. We are worried way too much about what everyone thinks. You know why? Because we don't have perfect love. If we had perfect love, we would do the right thing and the world, they wouldn't matter. And that's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to that perfect love. I'm glad Jesus had real love and not the fake love that the world has. If he'd have had the love like our world has, he wouldn't have told the truth. He wouldn't have gone to the cross. But the truth that he told, it got him nailed to a cross. But it was what we needed. And so let's have that same kind of love for people today. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for the true love that you've shown us, that you set the example for. And I pray, Lord, you will help us to have that right kind of love. Lord, help us not to be jerks and uh, getting out of our place and in other people's business, but help us to be a force for good. Uh, help us to stand for truth. Help us to uh, have that tr- true kind of love like you've shown. Help us not get caught up with the world's perverted definitions of these things. But I pray you'll help us to be a real, true, uh, loving church like we see in your word. In your name we pray. Amen.